Hello friend, I am Maria, and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, higher realms, the mysteries of the universe, and source consciousness. I use hypnosis to get into a deep theta state where I am able to connect to and embody my higher self. Enjoy! those of you that don't know, my book, my first book is now out. It's called 72 Keys to Manifestation or an Ancient Path of a Modern Day Alchemist. It is a child of love. This book is going to change your life. This book is about manifestation. I also wanted to let you know that I have charged it personally for anybody that purchases this book to literally set you up with the right frequencies for abundance literally this book is going to be a true catalyst in your life i'm not kidding you guys there is real white magic that is working through this book there is a barrier to entry that you know i as a being of light i i have my own guides that work with me um they wanted to have a barrier to entry on the ancient knowledge that came through this book right hence the price but but if you feel serious about unlocking your abundance, this is the book for you guys. I'm not kidding. It's going to work with your body, with your energy field on more levels than one. It is a multi-layered book. There are only a few books like that on the face of planet Earth today. It is quite rare. So if you want to check it out and if you want to really literally notice and see the big difference of, and having your life transform highly recommend you get yourself a copy do yourself a favor you'll thank me later i promise hello hello my loves and welcome to another episode of conversations with a collective today i wanted to talk to you about the akashic records i don't think i've ever done an episode on the akashic records i think it's time it is a very rich topic it is a very multi-dimensional topic um there's not um a lot of information about the Akashic Records that's in any way contrarian out there. Um, I feel like a lot that is in the collective is kind of like same old. So I figured we'll break the mold a little bit and talk about the Akashic Records today. All right. Um, uh, I also connect to the human collective. Um, you know, I do this in collaboration with you guys, with, with your collective consciousness. Um, and my quick scan of the collective of humanity showed that most people have no idea what the Akashic records are. And most people, even like the ones that have heard, don't fully know, don't fully comprehend what it is, you know, why it was created, what does it mean? So there's a lot of, um, you know, it, it, it's a topic rooted in mystery, shall I say. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really happy, happy that I get to cover this today. Uh, for this topic, just a quick disclaimer, I do want to leave some room towards the end uh, for questions because I want to give you guys a chance. I want to give the collective a chance to ask me questions uh, because I think that this topic is rich and, you know, I would kind of also want to meet you at your level because I know that there is, you know, not necessarily enough out there um, about the topic. Although now I know that, you know, Akashic, uh, Akashic readings has become like a thing over the past 15 or 20 years, um, it's going to become more and more prevalent, more and more prominent. So, um, you know, there you have it. Obviously, all the people that are doing the Akashic Record readings are also educating um, consumers, folks, people on this planet about what they are. 
you know, teaching how to access uh, the records, etc., etc. All right, so let's dive right in without further ado. The Akashic Records, um, the Akashic Records are, um, how I would describe it, or the best way to describe or think about it is, it's an informational field. It is an, um, an informational overshell, um, you know, that exists, that, you know, essentially um, exists between the world of the matrix, where all of you come to incarnate, and what I would refer to as the real world of the world of spirit. Um, it is an informational field that contains the records of essentially everything that ever existed in all of its facets. And what I mean by that is in, in the most rudimentary form, right, from your perspective and, you know, what you may care about, the Akashic Records is a database. It is like a great library. It's a great celestial library, the library of light that contains records on every single incarnation of every single being of the universe from the beginning of time. Uh now, that is the, you know, one of the ways to perceive about it. In other words, it contains all of the information about the matrix, right? So um, I've already mentioned before in my past episodes, you know, this is not the first version of the matrix. Uh, this is the fourth version of the matrix in, in the current rendition, in the current cycle um, of uh, the evolution of source consciousness. There are many cycles. There have been many cycles before. Um, the Akashic Records is one of those... And, uh, energetic structures that tends to span multiple versions of the matrix, multiple versions of this game, this world that we all live in. As such, it is kind of like the brain of the operation in many ways, right? So it is here to preserve the records. It is here to do justice um, as far as history is concerned, right? There's a lot of, uh, you know, there are a lot of things happening at any point in time in the universe. There are a lot of, um, particles of consciousness floating around, so to say, and, you know, creating all kinds of realities that need to be recorded, right? And in this grand dance of expansion, um, whatever one particle of, like, of consciousness, whatever one particle of source goes through um, is actually infinitely valuable um, or could be infinitely valuable for other particles as well. So, uh, and that is where we, you know, why don't we zoom out a little bit and I will tell you about why the Akashic Records was created in the first place. So, and, and maybe a little bit about its structure as well, uh, because I think that that is not, again, the information that's re re readily available on planet Earth, unfortunately. So, um, do you remember how I told you that the Akashic Records is like an, this overlay uh, over the matrix, right? It's this um, field, informational field that is kind of like in the great in between. It does not necessarily belong to the world of the matrix, but, but it, it, you know, it does record things that happen in the world of the matrix. It actually does not belong to the world of spirit, not technically. Um, it is a mental construct. However, the Akashic Records also records everything that happens in the spirit realm. So essentially, it's this grand database that makes records of everything and anything that happens in existence. Why is this important? Um, you guys may remember if you've been with me for a while, I've been listening to my episodes, to my podcast, you know that uh, I like to talk about source. I like to go as high as source to give you a full perspective of what's going on. So the reason you've all essentially came to planet Earth is because each and every single one of you is a projection of source consciousness, right? Source, the great absolute, you know, some of you may think of, of that entity uh, as God or goddess, you know, 
whatever floats your boat you know i don't discriminate you know there are many names to that great consciousness however you want to call it as long as you know you're thinking about this one aspect of consciousness of which everything came from or from which everything else derived right so that is source now um source uh the, re the reason we're doing this whole song and dance of incarnation uh is because at one point source wanted to understand itself it wanted to know who it is, so to say, at soul level, right? And the only way you can really get to know yourself is through the actions and the experiences that you have, right? So Source decided to put itself through the process of projecting itself, or first splitting itself, really, is like that, that was step one, right? Um, so it decided to start splitting itself into multiple parts. Um, and through that, start observing itself, right? Because once you start splitting into, like, once you split into two parts, let's say, you know, one part can observe the other and through that experience, learn about the other, right? So initially this whole, um, you know, conundrum, this whole thing started with source splitting itself into two entities, essentially divine feminine and divine masculine. And from there, you know, that division just kept um, extrapolating, right? So that division just kept going more and more particles of source energy have been created, you know, divine feminine split itself into a myriad of different particles, divine masculine split itself into a myriad of different particles. Now, the um, source goes through cycles of understanding itself, right? It's not just one cycle. And one of the ways to think about it would be in the same way that you and your human experience, you uh, go through breathing, right? For you, breathing is very natural. It's part of your life. In the same way for source, you know, dividing itself and then collapsing back into oneness and then dividing itself into, let's say, infinite particles and then collapsing back into oneness is as natural as breathing is to you, right? Now, you know, you have an inhale and an exhale, right? You have an essentially you know, th there are, there is like a point of zero for you, right? So like once you fully inhale and then exhale, you know, once the air leaves your lungs on the exhale, essentially you join your point zero, right? Like you're, you know, you, you've kind of like released something that um, you wanted to release. And then that point zero um, is very much present in your day-to-day -day life, right? Now we know one of the hermetic principles is as above, so below. So source goes through that point zero as well, right? And that point zero for source is unity consciousness, right? So essentially, source always goes on this evolutionary spiral. And it, through the inhale and the exhale, through the cosmic inhale, the cosmic exhale, goes back to uh, zero. Uh, the reason uh, I'm telling you all this is, and I will start bringing it home for you guys through the Akashic Records. There, this process, right? for source, uh, from the perspective of source happens very quickly in the same way that, you know, one of your exhales, one of your ex inhales is a very, very quick process, right? And you're essentially breathing and you're, you're creating, you're doing so many exhales on a daily basis, right? So I think that's why I think this is such a good analogy. Source keeps dividing itself and going back to oneness all the time. Through that experience, right? Uh, it divides itself into particles very differently each time right so there are many ways to split oneness into many many multiple multiple particles right um, now at one point source when source started dividing itself like that it wanted to keep a really really good track record it wanted to keep a, a really good track of everything that was happening it's kind of like if you guys are um, in a process of learning something like a new you know language or 
you know, you're just studying a new discipline or, you know, you, you're getting into like a particular science or you're trying to learn a new skill, a very natural thing for you to do is take notes, right? Because, you know, we, we kind of like like using different mnemonic techniques that help us memorize things. And one of the ways that helps you memorize, but also process what you're going through, like process the incoming information is the process of writing it down, right? And then you would sometimes choose to look back at your notes. Uh, and sometimes it's actually really, really helpful to look back at your notes, I don't know, weeks, if not months after you first made them, right? Because you would almost like come full circle uh, in your learning, right? You would be able to like bring... Um, the different aspects of what you're learning into one cohesive coherent system so source being that energy that wanted to study and understand itself wanted to make copious notes around its experiences and um, it needed a system to enable itself to do that and so it created the akashic records so the akashic records was meant to be that essentially journal uh, you know a never-ending journal of source consciousness and so essentially all of these many, like essentially infinite inhales and exhales and what happened in the in-between state, um, all of this has been recorded into the Akashic Records um, construct or within the Akashic Records. All of this is preserved there as knowledge. Um, the way it is structured, right, every inhale and exhale essentially represents one complete journey of source. Right? And again, it starts with unity and ends with unity. Um, each of these would create a pocket within the Akashic Record field, within the informational field. And then when you know the new journey begins, right? again, from oneness into complete separation, complete, yeah, please, I use that as a quote-unquote, there's no such thing as complete separation. At one point, source decides that it's done dividing itself because technically there are infinite ways and in infinite possibilities to divide itself into smaller and smaller particles. So the source has to call it quits at one point and say, okay, like at this point, enough's enough, we're going back to oneness, right? And then it goes back and like starts gathering all parts of itself, collecting all parts of itself to bring it back into the fullness of itself and back into unity consciousness. So each of these journeys, each of these complete trips becomes like a pocket within the Akashic Record field. Now, at this point, there they've been creating many, many, many pockets uh, of that, uh, of those experiences. One way that source gets to analyze what has happened, right, is by essentially accessing different um, parts of the Akashic Record field, all of these different pockets, and kind of like traveling in between these pockets. Because essentially by accessing a particular pocket of information or a particular, it's kind of like thinking back to a particular life. Like, let me give you an analogy of what, what this kind of like feels like. Imagine you had an ability to be transported into any of the days of your life that you've lived in the past. So like, imagine every day of your life uh, from the moment you were born is like a pocket of information, right? So every day of your life is meticulously recorded uh, somewhere. You know, and when I say meticulously recorded, it's not just about, you know, who you were, how old you were, you know, it's literally everything about your life. Every thought that you thought in that day, every feeling that you felt, every person that you came across in that, you know, every aspect about your external reality, you know, what was your... Um, I don't know, what did the apartment that you live in or the house, what did that look like? You know, what 
and also of course all of the surrounding people also recorded you know what was your mother feeling what was your father feeling you know what was your best friend feeling all of that good stuff so it's a lot of rich information and then of course the akashic records are also recording the collective but we're going to get to that don't worry about that so imagine right you could use a particular system like a supercomputer of sorts to be able to transport you into any day of your life in the past and as it did so you know you would be able to fully um to be fully immersed back into that reality right so it what it takes you back to is not like a two-dimensional very flat version of a memory it takes you it's like full immersion full exposure you like essentially by walking into that day or by like asking the supercomputer to remember essentially bring up that day you would get like a full immersion into the entirety of that experience right from the perspective of the person whose memory that is if that makes sense right from the kind of like imagining that the person whose memory it is is the center of that universe right and at any point in time multiple perspectives are being recorded you know in um into the akashic record field so you know if we're talking about like a little baby in the cradle you know this experience would be recorded from the position of the baby from the position of the mother that's you know uh rocking the baby to sleep this may even be recorded from the position of the cradle and the position of like a little particle of light that was shining on the face of the baby right so like essentially you could kind of like it, it is like a full uh um, it's a picture full of dimensions right so and um essentially because from source consciousness everything like the cradle itself has consciousness as well it's a different type of consciousness right air has consciousness water has consciousness all these little particles have consciousness so for source it may be interesting actually to one day go back and re-experience the same thing from like a different perspective right and so it can switch perspectives so that is kind of like the akashic records um so initially that is why source created it but that is not the only use for the akashic records there are many 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 different uses for the akashic records as we kind of like go down the ladder from source and into like more individualized consciousnesses um one you know let's let's take it a notch down you know we're 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 slowly going to make our way uh to planet earth and i'm i promise i'm going to bring it home because obviously we want to end this episode with you knowing how you would you know how you can use the akashic records if you should and you know uh, how you can access um it and when um when it would be appropriate etc right so like that is where the end destination of this conversation the interim step is let's imagine the world of souls right like so let's imagine this um essentially what I I like to refer to as the real world right so like that world where you go to once you die once you disincarnate right uh once you're essentially out of body and not in your human experience so that world is actually very very interesting it's very fascinating um like I said earlier whatever happens in that world whatever happens within those vibrations also gets uploaded and recorded into the akashic records because that represents experiences right and source really wants to keep track of experiences there are many uses from that perspective of the akashic record field very often you would souls would use the akashic records to go back to certain lives uh their lives or otherwise by the way um, that they believe have deep lessons for the soul, right? So first and foremost, you know, once you actually disincarnate, right? Once you complete a particular life, um, 
you know, and you go back to, you know, to your soul family and, and, and the rest of your soul energies, there is a viewing that is held, almost kind of like a movie being viewed, right? And, you know, there are different souls that are like watching your current incarnation that you're just living, you know, once you disincarnate. And, you know, and, and, you know, then it's decided what version of it is going to be finally uploaded to the Akashic Records. Sometimes multiple versions are uploaded, but uh, very often one optimal life is selected. And what I mean by that is um, this is a, you know, a multiverse. So at any point in time, you're living more than one parallel life, right? In the same body that you have, you know, being the, the person that you are, there are many, many um, parallel lives that you're living based on the choices that you're making, right? And so essentially, um, once you die, it would be decided which versions would make it into this grand memory bank. Um, so because it's soul level, um, a lot of what's happening at soul level is also planning new incarnations. That's not the number one thing that happens, but planning future incarnations is actually something that souls take very, very seriously. Uh, and that is where access to the Akashic records and access to the Akashic field becomes one of the greatest tools and one of the greatest aids for souls to try to figure out what experiences they want to go through. So most souls prior to incarnating would choose to spend some time in the viewing room, uh, which is essentially a space or a place, there are many actually rooms, um, that gives a soul pretty in-depth access to the various aspects of the Akashic Record field so they can view different experiences from different vantage points and um, feel the feelings kind of like and really figure out what journey they want to embark on, right? So a lot of it is is kind of like learning by absorbing somebody else's life, right? So learning at soul level happens all the time. Uh, learning is actually one of the more fun pastimes for souls. Souls are obsessed with learning. They're obsessed with evol evolving. They're obsessed with holding within as much light as they possibly can. So they're very curious as a byproduct of that. They're very curious and very adventurous. However, planning an incarnation and the incarnation itself, obviously, um, there's a, there's only so many you can do, uh, because you can only split your own resource, you know, so many ways before it becomes really, really challenging for you to accomplish your goals, right? Because there's just not enough energy. There's not just not enough of you to go about. So souls are pretty deliberate about how they plan incarnations. That's why a lot of them spend a lot of time in the Akashic record field. Um, I'm going to say something that, um, you know, it, it's kind of like, um, I wish I kind of almost said earlier, but um, I just want to make sure this is kind of important and I want to make sure that um, I tell you. So one thing that not a lot of people talk about is access level um, as, as it relates to the Akashic Records. So different souls by definition, by default, have different access levels to the Akashic Records. So you can think of it as, so like if the Akashic Records are archives, right? Um, in the same way that like there are government archives that you guys have, right? Um, that your politicians have access to, certain politicians have access to. Not, you know, like somebody who is an interning at the archives may not be able to get access to the same, like she's, they're just not going to have the security clearance of like the, the, the president of the country or something, right? If you guys know what I mean, right? So at soul level, essentially, uh, there are different access levels for different souls. Um, and in order for me to explain to you the concept of access levels, I would need to explain to you a little bit the structure of the Akashic Records. 
Um, the structure is actually different, uh, whether you're, well, it is different or not, like, because everything is perspective. Um, the structure of the Akashic Records is one and the same. It's one and the same entity. It feels different for souls that are incarnate versus the souls that are discarnate. Because when you're in your incarnate state, the aspect of the Akashic Records that has to deal with the matrix are, is going to be most prevalent in your field. Meaning it is expected that if souls who are currently in, in their incarnated state choose to access the Akashic Records, it is expected that they would want to access um, the lives, uh, other, other, uh, like essentially past lives, right? Other experiences that they had from within the matrix. That is expected. And so the informational field kind of rearranges itself, rearranges the cell of its quote-unquote body so as to bring most relevant experiences closer into proximity to each of the individual souls that may be accessing the records. Now, uh, it's, you know, if you, if you kind of like think of the uh, realm of souls of the out-of-body world, um, they, um, they kind of like have everything at their fingertips. You know, they can look at, uh, you know, potentially even different pockets, right? Like what happened um, like in the previous cycle, in the previous journey of source, right? They could learn from that. Although for, for you know, for as far as they're concerned, um, they would have access to the current journey that is going to be something that is closest to them and has you know the highest probability of like randomly coming up for them right so they would essentially just deal within like one pocket but within that pocket they would look at uh, both the uh, information about incarnations as well as the information that is kind of like um, just describing um, the soul worlds um, or what's happening, um, you know, in the distant incarnate states, what happened essentially. So going back to the access codes, um, from your perspective, and I'm going to start bringing it down, right? Um, humanity, um, is not created equal as far as access codes to the Akashic records. Um, that is why you're going to have such a different level of proficiency even with Akashic readers, uh, Akashic Record readers, right? Because all of these people have different level of access, right? So again, like, do you have the military clearance or do you not, right? What, um, generally speaking, with souls that are higher ranking within the spiritual hierarchy, generally the souls that are quote-unquote older, the souls that are able to house more light in their light bodies, the souls that um, tend to be very loyal to source energy and, and help towards, you know, around like help with bringing things back to oneness, um, you know, the, the souls that are tried and true, um, they would have higher access codes and, and higher access levels compared to, let's say, younger souls, souls that are challenged in their evolutionary path, souls that are slower, souls that are slower in their evolutionary path, etc., etc. Um, in terms of layers, right? So there's always your personal layer of the Akashic Record field. What that means is, you know, your own lives, you know, the things that you lived, your own lives. The second layer of the Akashic Record um, access is your lives that you have essentially copy-pasted from somebody else. And what I mean by that is at any point in time, you should think of, again, let me go back to the analogy for the Akashic Records, right? It's like a great library. Um, you know how... Um, Let's say you're a classical author. I don't know, you're Charles Dickens, right? And it's uh, you wrote The Tale of Two Cities. Um, obviously, you know, there's 
essentially was only one Charles Dickens, right? Arguably, although, you know, this is not an episode where we get to argue how many Charles Dickenses there were. I could argue uh, w- with you that there may have been more than one, but it's okay. Uh, this is not what this episode is all about. But say you are Charles Dickens and you wrote this tale of two cities and then the two cities gets deposited in a library, right? All of a sudden it's this big hit. Um, everybody learns about the tale of two cities and everybody wants to read it, right? Because it becomes a cool book. All of a sudden there's all these students or all these people come to the library asking to borrow the tale of two cities. Can I read the, two C- the tale of two cities? Blah, blah, blah. Which is, this is exactly what happens in the Akashic Records. If there is a soul that lives a very interesting life, and by interesting, it doesn't mean easy. It doesn't mean the life of somebody who's rich and famous. You know, it's it may not be, the things that are desirable from soul perspective may not be the same things that are desirable from like an incarnated state, right? So whatever souls perceive as an interesting life, right? may become that proverbial tale of two cities or like Romeo and Juliet, like just a famous book, right? Like a famous record. And because there's something about it that's fascinating, maybe outside of the ordinary or something that contains an interesting template or an interesting archetype or an interesting um, vibration, you know, all of a sudden it creates... It becomes famous, right, at soul level, so to say, in in that library. And so there are all of these souls that want to come and read Romeo and Juliet or read The Tale of Two Cities. And, you know, by the virtue of them reading that book, essentially what they're doing is the viewing of that life. They may choose to, you know, read and, you know, kind of give the book back. And that is one way that they get to experience the Akashic Records. Or they get to upload that into their own Akashic Records field which essentially is uh, kind of like creating a carbon copy, creating a copy of, of the Tale of Two Cities uh, that they would want to keep in their personal library, if that makes sense, right? Um, so when that happens, right, the Tale of Two Cities stops belonging just to Charles Dickens and starts belonging to Charles Dickens as well as this other particle that just copy-pasted it into their field. Um the sense of ownership is not necessarily very prevalent with souls, right? Uh, that is not how they think of you know, reality, because essentially everything is oneness and everything is, you know, one and the same thing. So souls experience a lot more, you know, in their disincarnate state, they don't perceive themselves as terribly separate. And that's why there is no pride of ownership around, well, I'm Charles Dickens or I, you know, I was uh, William Shakespeare, right? There's very little of that. They're not competitive or combative in that case and that uh, from, from this perspective. So they always want to share their experiences because all of them remember that all are tapping into this m- memory bank or this information bank. And it is actually in the collective best interest to make sure that that memory bank is as robust as it's possible right so souls actually love contributing really quote-unquote cool or fun lives to that great memory bank so other souls can borrow that information later so going back to my uh my original train of thought of the the construction or the composition of the akashic records right so the first layer uh the lowest layer of the akashic records that you need least amount of um clearance uh, to access would be a personal field, right? So for each individual being, accessing their own Akashic Record field is the easiest. There is a little bit of a subsection of your personal Akashic field, which would be, um, you know, the lives that you've kind of copy-pasted from others. They're not any less real, and most likely you're going to have, you know, full clearance to go ahead and uh, access those lives as well. 
but they're generally copied almost like on a separate shelf within your library if that makes sense and that shelf is just a little bit further removed from the nucleus on the core of your library or like the center um the center space of your library uh, so you have your personal then um, you have your planetary Akashic Records, you know, so there's a planetary Akashic Records. There, there, the next level, level up would be the solar system or the system of planets that your planet belongs to that has its own Akashic Record field. And you need a different level of clearance to be able to go to those kinds of um, uh, to do those kinds of records and you should think of it as the concentric circles right so the, the innermost concentric circle is you uh being able to access your own field then there is a concentric circle immediately outside of it on the uh you know uh, on the outer edge of, of this inner concentric circle um and that is essentially your planetary akashic records then you go you know, one level up or one level above that, and that is your solar system Akashic Records. Then there is a level up and you have your neighboring uh, star systems. Then you have your uh, galaxies. And then the next level up is you have um, neighboring galaxies, etc., etc. Then you go up to the level of the universe, then you go to neighboring universes, etc., etc., and just go, it keeps kind of growing, right? So as a soul, you would need different levels of access to be able to um, access all of these uh, fields um, some of them might be so removed like if you're an incarnated human right some of them may be so removed from where you are today in your day-to-day -day life that it might be completely irrelevant for you to even access those records um, so that's on the access code right so pretty much everybody has access to their own personal um, Akashic records um, enough people on planet earth would be able to access the planetary records um, and um, maybe about one to two percent currently incarnated would have access at the galactic level to a lot of things maybe not to all things but a lot of things at the galactic level right so uh, again like it's all about the access codes um, it's actually a fallacy to think that any soul that is trying to access any type of Akashic records always needs to ask for permission. And if the, you know, the person doesn't give them permission, they can never access. That is not technically correct uh, because part of it is also the intent, right? Um, access codes are actually quite fascinating to the Akashic records. Um, sometimes, right, you may be a, a soul with um, like a high level clearance. But if your intent for accessing the Akashic records of another being are malicious, those may be temporarily unavailable to you. So part of it is also the intent and the energy behind the request, right? Um, very often people who are in tune, you know, who have their higher centers open can read Akashic records of other people without necessarily asking for their permission as long as, you know, they have, in, they don't have malicious intent, right? Because, again, malicious intent can really throw off the vibrations and certain records could be close to you. Now, even within your personal, though, Akashic records, uh, there are certain things that are considered healthy for you to know in this incarnation and unhealthy to you know in this incarnation. In the same way that there is a veil of forgetfulness, right, which is this thing that um, this phenomenon, right, when you come into one particular incarnation, all of your past memories are essentially stored so far away and they're you know so much part of your subconscious that you don't you even consciously realize you know that you've lived all these lives before right so you your memories are taken away from you very very much so by design 
which is not to say that if you really needed help, if you really wanted to um, access Akashic Records, you couldn't because most people could, which is not to say that even if you have the clearance to go and look at every single thing um, in your Akashic Record fields, it doesn't mean that that experience is not monitored. And that is where we're getting to the Akashic Record Keepers. So you have your Keepers um, and you, you have your Guardians. Um, yeah, essentially Keepers and Guardians. Um, there's a difference. You know, these are there are two types of beings. You know, the Keepers are more like librarians, right? So librarians are the folks that would ensure um, that whatever soul is trying to access the Akashic Record field, they would essentially like check your library card and they'll be like, they check your level of access and they would either let you up or wouldn't let you up, right? So essentially, um, anytime you're trying to access Akashic Records and where, you know, we can do like a quick practice afterwards, you it's easier to do with a keeper, at least for the first time, right? So like, again, these are your librarians. They know where the right section of the library is, where you're looking for, you know, a particular piece of information. They can lead you there. Uh, the guardians of Akashic Records are a little bit different. So the guardians of Akashic Records are... Um, they don't really deal too much with any individual soul trying to access any kind of information, but they make sure that they preserve the library as a whole. So they they guard it. Uh, they make sure that all the records are being kept in their pristine condition. Um, you know, that the structure of the Akashic record fields is kept in a way that ensures that all the new records are being created in the perfect, correct manner, right? That essentially the Akashic record, um, the library does never run out of space, you know, so that's another thing that they do. And sometimes they have to rewrite old records. It's actually, it's not dissimilar to how you would guys think, of, how you would think of a normal library. Sometimes there's like wear and tear on particular memories, on particular information. And so these guardians would need to go in and rewrite the code or rewrite the memories in order to preserve them. It's the, you know, kind of like it would be the same thing if, you know, you guys have like a very ancient book with very ancient knowledge, but it's so old that it's starting to fall apart and, you know, certain scholars may choose to copy the book into a newer version so that that knowledge can be preserved. So there are guardians that, you know, are tasked essentially with maintaining the integrity of the Akashic Records as a database. Okay, all right, cool. So that was probably way too much about all these big picture stuff that I don't know if you guys needed to know per se, but, you know, we went there and I hope you liked it. Um, now, let's talk about you know, your level, you know, why you should care about the Akashic Records, um, you know, and what level may be interesting for you to access in the first place. So um, in the same way that I've, I've told you about the Akashic Record um, concentric circles as it relates to, you know, your personal information, planetary information, galactical information, etc., etc., even within your personal field, there are also the concentric circles. So like even if we just were to zoom into one layer of the Akashic Records, which is your personal, you would still have sub-layers there. What are the sub-layers? Essentially, when you're planning your incarnation, you're committing to a particular set of tasks and you're adopting a particular set of skills, right? So you're planning for a particular outcome. For example, I don't know. It, the, in this life, I want to be a famous singer, 
And uh, these are the three things that I care about. For instance, I care about, you know, being um, in integrity with my art. You know, maybe I care about, um, you know, transcending the karma around uh, being poor when I pursue my passion. And then I care maybe about how I deal with fame because maybe there have been other incarnations where I didn't handle fame the way that I, I, I wish I did. Right. So let's say that is like a simple incarnation that you planned. Based on that, you have to adopt or be okay with taking on a certain level of karma or karmic debts from your past lives, right? Uh, like in this example, you wouldn't probably choose to deal with a portion of your karmic knots around fame, a portion of your karmic knots uh, that have to do with your craft and mastery, and a portion of your karmic knots that have to do with uh, m- the monetary aspect of it, the financial aspect of being an artist, right? So all of these are like pockets of old trauma, drama, etc. Uh, in the energetic field, right? Which doesn't mean that by the virtue of you touching the pocket of fame or touching the pocket of money, you would want to transcend all of that karma. That would be quite hard, if not impossible. So you would choose certain aspects to work through around each of these pockets of um, of energies, right? And so your innermost circle concentric circle of your Akashic Record field would contain the information that is most relevant to your current mission on earth, right? So all of the karma related to singing, fame, money, artistry, mastery would be your innermost concentric circle. You know, arguably anything that has to deal with, I don't know, anything outside of these topics would be in furthermore furthermost concentric in in other concentric circles like I don't know like relationships any family drama um any 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 anything that's not part of your immediate goals would kind of like almost fade in the background and the reason it's done is because it's actually very easy or easier for you to access the information that is in your immediate vicinity right so there's almost like a concentric circle the innermost like the nucleus of information that is available to you that you can tap into now there are many ways to tap into the Akashic Records. And you would be surprised that unbeknownst to you have already been doing so. Because your intuition comes from your subconscious ability to be able to access the Akashic Records, right? Your intuition, your gut feeling, however you want to call it, does not come out of nowhere. There are two ways, essentially two uh, main ways um, that it could Two, maybe three, arguably, that it could come from. Number one is your gut feeling can come and be informed by the state of the human collective, right? The collective vibrations of humanity. Like if humanity as a collective knows something to be off, not true or whatever, you're going to get a, a warning bell in your gut feeling in, you know, through your intuition. Uh, the second place that your intuition could come from could be your ancestry line. Something happened in, with your ancestors, they now know better. They've learned a lesson, right? That lesson is solidified and would come back to you sometimes as an intuitive hit. Third, last but not least, is your subconscious, you know, memory of past lives, right? Something that happened to you, right? That would come back as an intuitive hit. Um, sometimes it's a very, very strong feeling, like that you need to avoid something. Or in 
quite the opposite, like go for something and, and um, you know, get outside of your comfort zone, right? So all of these intuitive hits, like a big chunk of them actually comes from you naturally accessing the Akashic Record field. Um, that, you know, so essentially enough of you already accessing it, whether you'd like it or not. Um, anytime you guys, if you have done a past life regression, the reason it works is Akashic Records. Uh, very often when you talk to spirit guides, they would be accessing your own Akashic Records to be able to advise you, right? That is why very often a lot of spirit guides come from a very similar place despite the fact they're different beings is because they're looking essentially at the book of your life and like your other books in your library, in your personal library, and they're reacting to your vibrations as you're asking a question, right? And so their answers may be quite consistent because, you know, they would essentially be all reading the same information about you. That being said, any new type of spirit guide that chooses to work with you, you know, would always first get to know your Akashic records. Now, there is a way at soul level to understand the fullness of somebody uh, quite instantly through accessing their Akashic records, right? So it's almost like by connecting to somebody, to somebody's Akashic records, there is an energetic cord that's um, created between you and that person. And you're getting all of these information about that person and you would be able to instantly know them know who they are again if you have access codes and if you have um if you're able to if you have clearance uh enough uh, of a clearance level to be able to do that right so that is how akashic records are also used um and then you know the rest is really you being very conscious and cognizant and re reaching out and wanting to use the akashic records um knowingly and very much intentionally right so the intentional part i think is more interesting um i think that the akashic records when you intentionally access them could provide a wealth of knowledge and could provide all the guidance you could possibly need uh, without you having to resort to any other i don't know divination principles or you know any other type of guidance, right? Like the Akashic Records essentially would have a lot of the answers for you already, especially as it relates to your past lives, karma, you know, any question around like, why is this pattern in my life? Why am I, um, I don't, why am I afraid of X, Y, or Z? Like all of the phobias, you know, a lot of you have deeply rooted beliefs or a lot of your, so like beliefs, thought patterns, as well as emotional patterns, right? are deeply rooted and could be explained by, you know, you choosing to access your Akashic records. Um, yeah. So past lives, uh, parallel lives, also just the same. And very often, right, uh, what would be helpful to you, again, to bring it a notch down, um, in uh, trying to understand your relationships. And I find that very, very rich territory indeed, where you would want to access the Akashic records. Um, for instance, let's say there is a person in your life and something about that relationship just feels like karmic in some way, right? Most likely you've met them in a past life. Most likely you've met them in more than one past life. And most likely you've been living the same pattern, right? So if you're trying to understand how to um, stop perpetuating the past and just like essentially copy-pasting into the future, accessing your own Akashic records may be a very, very good way of um um you know handling the situation 
Another thing is shadow work. Um, and um, I was actually, um, I thought about making a, an episode about shadow work today. But shadow work and essentially human shadow, right, is something that is uh, all the parts of yourself that you at one point at soul level uh, disliked, denied, or didn't want to deal with about yourself, right? So essentially it creates um, a whole, like whole aspects of you that have been rejecting rejected sorry by the greater whole of who you are as a being right so you, you could think of it as you know you go through these incarnations right and sometimes you would uh on the other side you would end up not really loving where you just lived so uh, you may reject things while you're still in the body or even when you're out of body and sometimes you would repel like full incarnations of yourself um, certain um, characteristics of yourself. Sometimes you would want to repel certain memories, certain circumstances, right? All of that creates shadow, all the aspects that you didn't want to integrate within yourself. Now, the thing about shadow is, I mean, obviously every human would prefer to think they don't have shadow aspects at all and they're wholesome and perfect and never killed the fly in their entire life, in the history of humanity and in the, from the beginning of time. That unfortunately is not the case because sometimes all of your greatest learnings, some some of your greatest learnings come from, you know, going through experiences that would inevitably end up in the shadow realm, in the shadow arena. Another part, and, you know, I wanted to make a quick distinction, right? Like s- some of the things that end up in the shadow very often, especially they get rejected by spirit, are things that uh, help you accumulate your power. So here we, we're getting into the dichotomy of black versus white, good versus bad, um, essentially Luciferian consciousness versus Christ consciousness. And the difference between the two really is one is pro-unity and the other one is pro-personal power, right? So it's not like one is pro-unity and the, the other one is pro-division. That is not what, you know, the other aspect that, you know, what we could refer to as darkness is all about. Darkness is not never about you know like division or or shall i say it is a maybe a byproduct of what happens but this is not the end goal the end goal is accumulation of power um so you know a lot of the folks that are pursuing that path uh the shadow path would be really really obsessed about changing the rules of the game you know not conforming, building their own destiny, you know, that like a lot of those folks would really, you know, like the dark mages, for instance, the the dark magicians, uh, black magic is all about the accumulation of your personal power and almost like at the cost of the expense of others, right? Again, like the opposite of unity consciousness, right? Because with unity consciousness, you understand that by potentially hurting others and not factoring in somebody else, um, other people, you really end up hurting yourself. But we're not going to get into this whole conundrum of like darkness versus light. Uh, the reason I'm telling you this is um, the fact that shadows, you know, shadows uh, are generally created when souls are, you know, pursuing those paths that are not like in congruence with the great divine unity. So it is a lot of these lives are like accumulating personal power or about accumulating personal power. Here's the fun not fun aspect of this right imagine you've lived because you have all of these lives right where you were obsessed with becoming powerful and by becoming powerful it could have been all kinds of power 
political power, power in your family, personal power. Uh, could have been magical power. Could have been power of like um, I don't know, like a speaking or writing or m money making, or you know, a fame is also power, right? Recognition, all of those good good things, right? Now, you may have to get to that end outcome. You 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 may have done all kinds of interesting things, right? That then when you actually die and you disintegrate, and then your higher self looks at this and they're like, what am I going to do with this? Like, this is just too much, man. Um, and so that part of you gets rejected. The funny or the, the sad part, should I say, is that is how souls reject a lot of their power, right? So like, because that life, you're like, okay, well, I don't want power at all costs. Uh, that's how you get your personal trapped energy that is really powerful in your shadow aspect that you don't want to integrate because it's dark, right? Um, the reason I'm, I'm telling you about all this is because Akashic Records are actually a really, really good tool to help you understand your shadow, to help you understand why you acted the way that you acted. What are your toxic patterns, your shadow patterns? What are your... Um, you know, I would almost call them, what are your personal challenges around power? You know, like, what is your flavor of power that tempts you the most, if any, you know? Um, that is, like, a very interesting, because, like, people have triggers. Um, and, you know, one of the interesting or the easiest ways to understand what your shadow is, is to understand what kind of behaviors trigger you, right? What kind of behaviors trigger you, right? Because that would be... Um, most likely, most likely, it would mean that at one point, because like everything that triggers you is a reflection of who you are. What I mean by that is it may be the aspect of who you are that you're cognizant of or the aspect of yourself that you're really not, right? So watch yourself and be very mindful if like somebody like a lying politician triggers you, right? Like if you see this inauthenticity in someone, right? I don't know, like let's you say you're watching TV and there's a politician and you know that they're lying, for instance, right? If that triggers you, right? Or if, say, say you're triggered by vaccines or something, right? Like, or somebody taking power from other people or, you know, somebody uh, taking choice from other people. If that truly triggers you at soul level, it is always a sign that there is shadow work that you need to do on that aspect because, in fact, you're not rejecting another person that's doing that. But in the process of rejecting another person that's doing that, you're also rejecting an aspect of yourself that's doing the same exact, exact thing, right? So if a lying politician really irks you and really throws you off of your balance for a while there, know that there's an aspect of you that is, you know, living in an authenticity, in an inauthentic way, right? And it's kind of like lying to itself and others, right? That is the only reason that you would be triggered, right? Now, for you to be able to find these shadow aspects and actually understand where they are, what they are, and how to deal with them, you would need to access the Akashic Records. Um, how is that different from essentially doing past life regression? It is not terribly different, not terribly different. However, once you actually start accessing the Akashic Records, it becomes like it's a muscle that you train and becomes very, very fast, quick and easy. And whereas like with past life regressions, generally recommended that you would spend like between, I don't know, 30 minutes and three hours just looking at a past life um, because you're going to be looking at like different aspects of it. You know what happened like age five, age 10, age 15, if you want to do like a full viewing, right? Uh, with Akashic Records, generally it's 
faster, quicker. So it's for quicker insights, right? Very often your communication with Akashic Records could come as a question and answer, right? So you ask the question, you know, you tap into the Akashic Record field, the answer comes back to you. Okay. I hope I sold you on like why you should care about the Akashic Records. Essentially, the Akashic Records has all the answers about you, other people, why things are the way things are. It has um, information on the history of humanity, the true history of humanity, the history of humanity from perspective of humanity, from perspective of every single extraterrestrial race that uh, at one point was involved with humanity, from the perspective of Gaia, from the perspective of the sun, from the perspective of Venus, from the perspective of the Milky Way galaxy. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Akashic Records is amazing. It's a wealth of data. It's a wealth of information. And if you, you know, if you know how to access it, you may be able to really broaden your horizons and play with this like very rich tool that is essentially just one degree of separation away from source. How cool is that, right? So like every time you're accessing the Akashic Records, I feel like um, it's, it's kind of really cool because source is accessing the same exact field. I don't know, it's kind of like, you know, if, if the Akashic Records was a river, you know, and by accessing it, you're kind of like washing in the river. It's like washing, being washed in the same river source energy. I personally find that pretty cool. Now, I know, I know, I don't even need to go into the collective too. Um, know that you guys are really curious how to access the Akashic Records. Um, there are honestly a ton, a ton, a ton of different ways that you could do that. Um, right now, I wanted to give you one quick practice with a question and answer, right? So first things first, uh, you need to get to know the Akashic Records. You need to really become ingrained in that energy. One of the most common, one of the most common practices to access your Akashic Records is actually, right, to get into a meditative state, close your eyes, and then imagine that you're in a library, right? Uh, I almost don't want to go there too much because this is like such, you know, literally any anybody who tells you about Akashic Records is going to talk to you about the library. And that just seems to be like what's really out there in the collective human consciousness. I would almost want to bypass it, but like, why don't I spend like literally 30 seconds telling you about what that feels like? Um, in this particular case, in this particular case, you would always want to meet your guardian. Should I... Um, you know, I'm thinking to myself, should I just take you through this meditation? It's kind of boring from my perspective, but you guys have a different perspective and enough of you have never done this. So maybe we shall do that. Okay. Why don't you close your eyes, start breathing with me, breathe deeply, you know, enable and allow the air to just enter your lungs and then exit your lungs. Okay. This one, this practice is really good if you may not have any particular requests right? If you don't just have like one question or something, uh, but you, you know, you're open for to general guidance, right? Or you're just like getting to know the Akashic Records. This practice is really, really good for that, right? So you want to imagine yourself standing in the most beautiful library that you've, you could ever imagine. It has very high ceilings, like literally you could look up and like there are books and like on the shelves, so, like as far as the eye can see, um, uh, up top, you know, there's like shelves in different, different units. And then if you look kind of like to your left, to your right, in front of you, and then in the back, there's all these like endless bookshelves, right? 
And so you're for a quick moment, you're like taken aback by all this grandeur and like just how many books and how many records, how many scrolls this wonderful library has. Now, this library is filled with a lot of sunlight. It has beautiful, intricate windows um, with like colored frames. So it feels like a, a little bit almost like fairy tale like it's a very beautiful library. So you're standing right in the middle of it, in the heart of the library. And you're witnessing that in the middle of the library, there is a crystal. It's actually an um, octagon, right? So it um, has eight sides. This crystal looks like crystal quartz. It's a white crystal, right? So as you're getting to know the energy of the library, you want to come up to that crystal. Um, this is the crystal of knowledge. Um, it holds within itself um, the knowledge of how the Akashic field operates, right? It could also be described and construed as the heart um, of the Akashic Record Library, uh, of this informational bank of the universe, right? So it is also like a supercomputer that helps this library run smoothly. It makes sure that all the guardians, all the keepers of the library are doing what they're supposed to be doing, that the library is staffed accordingly, that all the new records are going into the right places on the shelves and everything is accessible. So all the coordinates. So this great crystal is keeping track of all the coordinates, right? Like where each and every single book is. And so you want to come up to this crystal. Again, it's uh, crystal quartz, so it's white. It's kind of not white, it's transparent. It's transparent crystal. And it accentuates the and emanates the vibrations of knowledge, right? So almost like it contains with it, within itself all of the vibrations of all of these books combined, right? And now it's like just emanating that um, into all the corners of that library. So it's a very, very beautiful crystal and it's a very, very beautiful energy. And so you want to come up to that crystal and you want to put your palms on the facet of the crystal, right? And like, just make sure that the palms of your hands are kind of like absorbing that uh, energy of knowledge, um, that energy of knowing, that energy of being connected to everything else in the universe, right? And you want to spend a few minutes like really feeling into the crystal with the palms of your hands, right? And um, for the ones of you that are really sensitive to information, the ones of you that have the highest propensity of working with Akashic Records, you're going to start feeling the tingling in, in the physical arms, like in your physical hands, right? Because uh, like your etheric hands, your energy hands are like smack in the middle of that crystal and they're touching that crystal, right? So the tingling is actually really, really, really normal. Um, you may also feel hot or cold or like, you know, some, 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 for some of you, maybe like even shivers may come through, right? If you're, if you're getting like very, very strong informational hits, just be present, you know, with a crystal. And then you want to thank the crystal for allowing you to be in its space and allowing you to be in the Akashic Records. And then um, essentially, um, as you're ready to, for, for, for the next steps, you know, as you're ready to start accessing your own personal slice of the universe, your own personal records, uh, what you see is that there is a keeper, um, a being that is approaching you, a keeper of the Akashic records. Um, this being is wearing uh, a long white robe, um, that, you know, fully covers their full body. So it's like a long sleeve and it has like a very long hem. Um, and it has, um, you know, this intricate embroidery kind of like white on white. 
um, and uh, the stitches are kind of like glimmering and it's all glimmering so it's it's a very beautiful etheric glow so like um, the whole being is glowing like in a very angelic way and so that being is coming closer to you and it's stretching its hands to meet you and sometimes certain beings certain keepers actually would prefer to give you a hug right um, this being you know uh, may sometimes choose to introduce itself and you may even be able to hear a voice or something or you know that being trying to have a conversation with you or you may be able to hear just kind of like you know feel that that being just wants you to follow it right whatever is the case with you you know if it's a conversation you may want to stay here for the conversation and generally is brief and then that being is going to lead you upstairs there is a, like a very intricate beautiful set uh like a set of stairs um and you're following this robed creature this beautiful uh guide or keeper of the akashic records as it uh leads you to the you know a higher floor and it takes you to the right floor that you need to go and then um you enter a hallway with a bunch of doors and a bunch of windows and this being is leading you to a particular room within this beautiful structure within this beautiful library and on that door there is a name with a tag there's a tag with a name and that name is yours right and so you're looking at this door and you're looking at the door handle and it kind of feels familiar it feels ancient but also very modern and also feels like if there's like this sense of nostalgia nostalgia that really washes over you because behind that door um, are all of your memories of anything and everything all of your lives that you've ever lived all the people that you've ever loved uh, you know all the planets you've ever incarnated on all of your you know um, all the pain and all of your quick wins and, and big wins and you know all of your love affairs and all of your heartbreak all of your success and all of your failure and everything is behind that door and you do get warm fuzzies because you feel like you're gonna you know you're essentially are ready to meet with the divine and so you want to enter that room and look around you know so this is your personal library what does it look like you know what does that room f look like and feel like to you you know does it have a lot of books or only a few you know are the books neatly arranged on the shelves or are they kind of like piled up on the floor you know you can tell a lot by, you know, what your library looks like, a lot about your character and enough actually about the overall vibrations of, of your higher self, right? By how the records are being maintained. You know, does the room have a lot of light or does it not? Is there a desk? You know, so you can pay attention to all of these things, right? And so because today you came for some general guidance, right? Um, it will be the keeper that is going to assist us today. Uh, so the keeper is taking off a volume of the shelf or of the floor or whatever that you know right volume right the right book that you need to read today so that being is taking that book and it's opening the book onto a particular page right and it's handing the book over to you and so you're taking the book and then you really want to make sure like to feel into the book like you really want to touch the pages with your fingers your etheric fingers right and feel into them almost like touch the lettering and the, the spine and like really feel into this book right and then essentially what you want to do is you want to 
focus your third eye, which is in the middle of your forehead, right? And imagine yourself, right? And, and I know your eyes are closed and it's in your mind's eye anyway, right? Imagine, right, that you're almost like your third eye is shining the light on this book, almost like, um, like a flashlight, right? Um, there's like, it's almost like your third eye is emanating a stream of light onto this book. And as that happens, as that happens, right, um, you start feeling and perceiving the information from the book entering your consciousness back to the third eye. So essentially, it's a loop that's being created, right? Like, there is an emanation from th your third eye that hits the book. And then there is a feedback mechanism, there's that loop that gets closed, and like the information essentially flows from the pages of the book back into your third eye. Now information can come in all different ways, shapes, forms and sizes, don't discriminate. Uh, it may come as images, it may come as words, it may come as feelings, it may come as insights, um, it may come as a knowing, it may come as a smell, um, it may come as a taste, it could be anything, right? So just be ready and be prepared. And, um, you know, just stay here and be able to receive, be ready to receive, right? So whatever comes through is what you need to know what is it really important for you to know at this juncture of your life, right? And then whenever you're ready, feel free to close the book and give it back to the keeper. And then you can always, you know, exit this beautiful library of yours, close the door behind you, go down to the first floor of this library and you want to reconnect with the crystal one more time, sending your gratitude from your heart into the very middle of the crystal, thanking the crystal and the keeper um, that is saying at this point is starting to say goodbye to you for their assistance today and for their permission for you to access the Akashic Records, right? So that is, you know, the, probably the like Akashic Records 101 practice. That is like literally, you kind of almost didn't need me for that, but it's okay. We did it anyway, because like I said, enough of you have no clue about the Akashic Records. Um, I find, I find that there is one more, the, the second practice that I want to give you, I kind of actually also enjoy, but I, I find it a lot more targeted. So um, the second practice is really, really good if you need an answer to the question. Not that you cannot use the first one that I just gave you as an answer to the question. You totally could. You could ask your keeper a question and they would fish out the right book that would give you the answer. But that is not the only way to do it, right? So I want you to imagine, since we already are in this meditative state, right? I want you to imagine that you're standing um, almost like in space, and there's like darkness all over you. It's almost like you're floating in cosmos, in the great cosmos, right? You guys have all seen like, I don't know, uh, like movies about cosmos, whether that is, I don't know, Star Wars or Interstellar or what have you, right? You guys know what cosmos looks like. It's black. <laughs> it's a black void. So essentially, you're imagine you're floating in, in space. And above your head, there is a network. It really feels like a net, not even a network, it feels like a net. And that net is made of golden strands, right? Golden threads. And it's a very intricate net and literally it covers the whole thing, like essentially the, uh, the entirety of the space above your head. So it's a very intricate system. It is quite beautiful too because 
um, it is a dynamic system, right? So that net, imagine almost like it was a, as if this net was a being, right? It expands and contracts in various places, almost like it's breathing, right? Like imagine this net breathing and expanding and contracting and kind of like moving around um, like a little being. It doesn't have a shape, you know, its shape is like the net and its purpose is to incorporate within itself and hold within itself the information. So what you're seeing above your head, we woven in those golden threads is the Akashic record field. That is how it feels or what it looks like on the etheric level, right? So, you know, I would actually dare you to come closer and touch this net and like feel like feel into it right i want you to experience that it's actually going to feel like a fluffy cloud you know in terms of density it's not that dense but it's also quite different from the rest of space that you're floating around right so space feels very dispersed whereas the energy of the akasha record field feels almost um charged Right. So it's, there's a lot that's going on there. And because of that, it has this feel like a cloud. It's like you're almost like touching something fluffy. Uh, so that is the Akashic Records. Um, now you want to imagine that you're asking a question, right? So like whatever your question is, right? Just ask a question. You can ask it out loud or you can ask it in your, you know, um, just in your head. You know, there's no right or wrong answer. The universe is going to hear you regardless. As you're asking a question, I want you to imagine that there is a golden thread that gets started in your throat chakra, in your throat area, because, you know, throat is all about communication, right? So there is like a golden thread that is created because you have a desire, right? And your desire is to know something or to get an answer to your question. The next trick, right, is essentially the Akashic record being the information field the matrix of all the information that has ever been created, um, the network, shall I say, not to confuse uh, you with the actual matrix of virtual reality. Um, you know, your the, uh, the Akashic records, the Akashic field contains the answer to your question no matter what, because it's an all-knowing, um, all-wise field of information. However, you don't know what are the coordinates of your answer and so you want the universe to show you what the coordinates are and how this is going to feel in your meditation is that there is this golden cord right that stretches out from your throat and then the other end of the cord is starting to stretch out and move towards uh the akashic records right towards this golden uh fluffy network essentially a net of uh, matter right but you want to pay attention that this cord actually connects to a very particular part of the matrix, right? Like it's almost like it's searching for the right place to plug itself into that network. And as it's searching for the right space, for the right spot, for the right place, it's actually just seeking the coordinates to your answer. So allow this process to unfold. Sometimes your cord is going to have to travel to like a pretty remote location within the Akashic records. And you just want to, you know, you just let it, that process unfold naturally, you know, keep breathing, don't worry. And then whenever the cord fi finds the right location, it's just going to plug itself into that particular part of the aspect of the, um, of the Akashic records, right? And the moment that that connection is established, you're going to start feeling like there is an 
um, essentially a golden liquid floating from the Akashic records into your throat and then going up to your brain, right? And that is the answer to your question. So like believe that the moment that you ask the question, the answer must be given to you. Uh, the reason I know that, that is the case is because according to the law of attraction, you know, what you give, you shall receive. And also not only that, uh, but um, the question that you ask must be answered. Like that is the law of the universe. Not only that, but the question and the answer have the same exact vibration, have the same exact frequency, right? So by asking the question, you are attracting the answer, right? And so by asking the question from the Akashic Records, you are attracting the answer from the Akashic Records, right? So just be ready to receive the information, the answer from the Akashic Records in the way that it comes. If you worry that you're not hearing anything, not seeing anything, not feeling anything, um, I actually, you know, you could also try automated writing, something that I talk about all the time, right? Take out a piece of paper and write down the answer as if you knew what the answer was, right? Like, just write down, let your hand write the answer. No matter how crazy the answer may feel, don't judge the answer. Write down the answer, right? And then you can close down your eyes and, you know, just like, kind of like um, quickly um, complete that, you know, uh, complete this meditation by maybe like getting back, you know, once the answer is received. You may want to just cut that cord, right? Like you definitely want to cut the cord between you and the Akashic Records. You don't need it once the answer has been received. And then you would see that there's this golden thread, you know, part of it is being retracted back into the Akashic Records. Part of it is being retracted back into your throat. And that's it. There is no other karmic debt. There is nothing, you know, like you got, you asked the question, you got the answer. Essentially your, your work here is complete. So you may, you know, just come back into your breath, come back into your body, and then just like essentially leave the meditation. Something like that is actually fairly easy to do. And it could be like, you know, literally you can do this within two to three minutes once you get good at it, right? And that is the beauty of accessing the Akashic Records. Like initially you're going to have to have, you know, a bunch of bells and whistles to be able to access the Akashic Records, but down the road you really won't have to. You know, down the road you may not even need to close your eyes. You're just going to be like, okay, what's the answer? And the answer is going to come to you, right? A um, couple of things that I found uh, to be really helpful uh, for, you know, third dimensional humans. Again, don't take this as an insult. I mean, it actually with uh, as much love as possible. Um, one, um, one interesting application of access to the Akashic Records is knowing and understanding the people in your life. So when you're meeting strangers, especially if you're like looking, I don't know, if you're looking to establish a friendship or like a relationship of any sort or you know, um, any type of attachment, it may be actually, depending on your level of access. Now, enough of you would have access to that, just very rudimentary information. You may check in and again, send um, a request into the Akashic Record field, right? Up upstairs, kind of like into that fluffy network. And you can ask them, you know, what is this person all about? Can you show me their overall vibration? And although, uh, they, you know, depending on your level of access, you may not be able to get like a lot of clarity around, well, this is exactly the, you know, the 20 lives that are most relevant to their current life. And this is exactly how they lived. And this is exactly who they were. Like you may not get that level of detail, although you may get that level of detail, by the way. But, um, you know, what the Akashic Records is going to send you back is kind of like, 
almost like an index card on, on those people. Like, you know, if, if, if like whatever information about that person had to be summed up on a business card, like on a very, very small amount of surface, you know, the Akashic Records is almost going to give you like a quick synopsis or a quick summary of that being, you know, you know, what, what are they, you know, what are the things that they're most proud about themselves? You know, what are the things that to watch out for? What are their strengths, weaknesses? Like it'll give you like a quick gist about that person. Now, um, initially, you may be only able to receive a portion of that information, but as you keep trying, you know, as you keep practicing, you would be able to get more and more and more. And, you know, practice makes perfect, like with anything, like communicating and accessing the Akashic Records is a practice, right? It's a ritual, it's a practice. The more you do it, the easier it's going to become for you, right? Um, like I said, down the road, you won't have to close your eyes. You're not even going to have to battle ash. It's just going to be very easy as breathing and you would be able to get a lot of information on essentially a lot of people, right? So it'll make your life a lot easier because you would be able to align yourself with people that you're a true match for and you're going to be very, very informed. Okay, well, I promised you that I would enable you to ask questions. So um, whatever you guys, if you have any questions around the Akashic Records, anything I said or did not say, um, I am ready to hear you. Please uh, come forward and um, I'm, you know, I'm ready for your question. Okay. The question is from a gentleman and he is asking me, um, how does he know what is, say he, say he has a question or a concern, how does he know which life to access from the Akashic record field? How does he know what would be the best life for him to access? Like what would be the best piece of information for him to access? I love this question. Uh, the answer is actually very simple. It's not up to you actually to know what life you should be requesting unless it is a very specific request and you want a very specific life then it is up to you right um i said that there are keepers and then there are guardians right uh, so essentially there are beings that are making sure that whatever your request is that it is processed not only in your highest good but in the highest good of all right so in other words, it is up to them to determine what life to show you. It is up to them to determine what piece of information to disclose. And by the way, they generally work with both the karmic board. I'll explain what the karmic, karmic board is. With your higher self and with your personal set of spirit guides, right? So it is a collaboration, collaborative process, right? So at any point in time, you know, your free will is being intermingled with the free will of other beings to provide information for you right what is the karmic board the karmic board is um, a group of beings that are watching the dispensation of karma um, they are watching the accumulation of karma and these beings are really interested in helping others transcend their karma but they also would never allow you to take on more than you can chew right and so it, it is kind of up to the karmic board um on how much they want to share about your past life, especially if you have some really, really tough karmic knots or a lot of darkness to work through, they might actually choose to not show certain experiences, right? So it's always up to these beings, your higher self, again, your higher self determines what you can handle, what you cannot handle, and then your spirit guides as well. So it's a little bit of a collegiate decision-making process, which is completely fine, right? In other words, when you make a request from the Akashic Records, a no 
right? That you are guided in this experience, right? Because again, the library is pretty intricate. It's pretty large. Nobody would expect you to know exactly where to go and what to ask for, especially knowing that you are experiencing the veil of forgetfulness. So you're missing the bigger picture, right? So nobody would expect you to know where to go. So don't worry about that. But when you're making a request from the Akashic Records, ask them to show you, right? Or you can just be like, hey, uh, you know, I would, you know, love my guides to show me exactly what I'm meant to see. Or I would love the keeper's assistant, assistance, sorry, to lead me to the part of the Akashic Records that would serve me the most, right? So just like kind of like put the ball in their court and just trust the process and trust that you're taken care of. Great question, by the way, and thank you so much for it. Um, let's um maybe let me take one more one more question anything on the akashic records anything that was confusing to you or any anything else that i can help with today i am ready to receive your question hmm the question is what do i do if i want to look at the planetary level of akashic records but i don't have the access keys i love you guys for your questions you know what I love you. You're ballsy <laughs> and adventurous. Like, kudos to you. Um, hate to say this, but uh, the beings that hand off access keys are not stupid. And if they didn't give you access to the planetary records, that probably means that that is a little bit above your pay grade. So, if you want to access the planetary records... But you don't have the access keys to access the planetary records. That is a dead giveaway for you that you're not yet working on the planetary level as a being, right? So you're working on your personal karma on transcending that. And you can't walk. You gotta, sorry, you gotta, you gotta walk before you run, right? In other words, you cannot study chemistry for 10th grade if you haven't learned how to read, right? I'm just saying, right? So there's no hack from third dimensional consciousness or fifth dimensional consciousness that would enable you to have access keys to the information that you're not meant to see, right? So, um, you know, take this as a sign of universal love. Take this as a sign that you're not meant to know certain things and just surrender to the process. And I think that would be my advice for this. Um, I would want to take one last question. Anything around the Akashic Records? Um speak now the uh, the question is can i access information only from you know on, about my past lives on planet earth or can i uh, get information about um like remote worlds the answer is again depending on your uh, access codes most likely you could theoretically get information about any of your past lives including the ones from very remote worlds however like i said um the Akashic Records is built according to the principle of concentric circles. There would always be the innermost circle that is easiest to access. And essentially that your higher self as well as your guides and the keepers and the karmic board, everybody else wants you to access. So by default, you know, those are the lives that would be shown to you. That is the information that would be available to you, um, you know, essentially, at the, you know, would be readily available to you at the tips of your fingertips at the, well, you catch my drift. Um, that being said, right, it doesn't mean that all the rest of it is not accessible, right? You either may need a little bit more practice, you know, but chances are you would be able to access your lives, um, you know, on other extraterrestrial planets. 
That being said, there is a reason why, essentially, like um, the way that the Akashic records are formed are also by similarity, right? So, like, there's a principle of similarity, like birds of a feather stick together. Like, all of your lives that you've lived on planet Earth are going to be in your innermost concentric circle. Um, and, and then, you know, because it is expected that whatever learnings you had during those lives could be, quote unquote, very similar to the learnings that, you know, you may need access to right now because this is a similar world. If we are talking about a different world, especially if, you know, they, they, it's either a very vastly different dimension or a very vastly different experience, as a general rule, those types of experiences, the, those types of karmic nods are either less relevant or would be harder for you to understand and grasp at this moment in time. So they don't tend to come through as, you know, immediate answers um, to your questions. I hope that that makes sense. Alrighty, you guys. Well, I had a lot of fun, despite the fact that the Akashic Records is a little bit of a denser topic. It's also in the realm of the great intellect. So it tends to be a little bit on the drier side, right? Um, I do hope that, you know, I helped shed the light on, you know, this topic. Um, I hope that each of you takes the time to, you know, go into the Akashic Records yourself. Now, obviously, there are practitioners out there and you could find the, you know, somebody to give you an Akashic Records reading you know and the, the the good news about the Akashic Records is there's it's such it's access to such a vast pool of information that literally like you could get Akashic, Rec Akashic Records readings for the rest of your life and you would not get any repetitions it's just like it's so vast that field but at the same time I think it would be such wasted opportunity for you to have to go to the outside world to all you know third party so to say practitioners to consultants Mm, you know to access something that you have easy access to anyhow right so i do hope you take some time to learn to practice to try this out and i and i know it will work out for you i know it will work for you Alrighty, um i love you i will see you in the next episode and i hope that you have a great week bye thank you so much for listening to conversations with my higher self podcast we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please visit thisismaria.com for more insights and offerings from Maria and Sergey. It is T-H-I-S-I-S-M-A-R-I-Y-A.com. We hope to see you in future episodes.